0: Hello and welcome to episode fifty-one of Command Space on Five by Five. My name is Mike Curley, and today I am joined by two guests, which I believe is a first for the show. I have Mr. Mike Rody and Mr. Del Withrington. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Very well, Mike. Welcome back to the show. You've been on. You've been Thanks. on Command Space in the past, so welcome back. And Delve it is your first time, and I've, I think we have a very different show today. Um, I think it's going to be very exciting. Actually, it's. it's uh, we're going to be talking about f- making a font,
1: which is, yes. is
0: is quite interesting, and we'll get to that in a in a very short while. Um, but just first, Mike, why don't you? For anybody that hasn't heard the the episode that you that we recorded previously, which I'm going to put in the show notes, and I'll find out the uh, the name the name and number of the show in a moment. Once it's in there, but why don't you give people a refresher? Tell people who is Mike Rody? And it was episode 19, by the way.
2: 19, ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm a designer by trade, but I'm also an illustrator. Um, in the past, I've illustrated books like uh, 37 Signals Rework, Chris Gillibo's The $100 Startup, and, and others, um, as well as my own book, which I wrote uh, and released last year through Peach Pit called The Sketch Note Handbook. And a sketch note handbook is essentially a, a, a handbook of action for people who are interested in taking notes visually uh, to both explain what they are, show lots of samples, uh, give tips from myself and others, and then uh, lots of worksheets so that people can actually start drawing and realize how visual they really are and how much they can really draw more than they may think they can so they can make visual notes.
0: That's a, that's a very nice, succinct. you're used to doing that. I yeah, I think like. I'm getting better every time, so I, I just keep trying to hone it in. <laughs> <laughs> and Delve, um who are you? Where are you from? Who is Del Wevington? What do you like to be known for? <laughs> well,
1: I'll try to keep it succinct as well, but uh, uh, I am a type designer. Uh, I'm in Alameda, California. It's the San Francisco Bay Area. We're actually on a little island that's uh, next to Oakland, which is perhaps more uh, exotic than it sounds. Uh, it's a Man-made island, so (laughs) more like a suburb of Oakland, almost. Uh, I I fell into uh, doing type design out of uh, uh, my exposure to signage and from art school. Uh, Looking back, I always had a passion for it, so uh, it kind of came as a natural thing for me. Uh, I worked for uh, Font Shop and Monotype Imaging before I became uh, independent.
0: How long have you been designing fonts for?
1: Oh goodness, Uh, over fifteen years now. So it's it's uh, (laughs) it's been a a, there was a bit of a learning curve up front because uh, the technology was changing, and uh, you know that was that was the mid nineties. There, there was grunge, and uh, as a type (laughs) designer, I'm self taught, but uh, but then uh, working with. uh, with folks at uh, Font Shop and, and uh, Monotype, I certainly learned a lot, and uh, and certainly it was it was uh, I don't know if it was equivalent to say uh, you know going to a program uh, for that, but uh, but it certainly did uh, set me on the right path and give me the experience necessary. And just they didn't actually have you couldn't get a, a certificate or, or a master's or something like that in, in type design back then. It didn't exist, so it wasn't really an option.
0: <laughs> so you two, you don't live close. How far away are you from each other geographically?
1: Well, let's see. What do we think? Uh, was it one time zone, Mike? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think we are <laughs> we live two hours apart. Um, I don't right. know exact mileage. What, 1,000 miles or something? there. don't uh, know yeah. exactly. But I'm in Milwaukee and uh, delves out in Alameda, so. Uh,
1: That's a, it's a, uh what? $300 flight? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And
2: or how, a free Skype call. So
1: you, <laughs> yeah.
0: you worked together on um, the sketchnote typeface, sketchnote font, uh, which we're yeah. going to talk about in a bit. But how did you meet each other? Like, How did that, how did that occur? How did that process happen?
2: Well, I can take that story because um, so I had, I had been working on a typeface or wanted to work on a typeface ever since rework. So when I did rework... One of the things I needed was a typeface for the chapter headers. It was something that they needed to publish the book. And it didn't make sense for me to rewrite every single header uh, in a custom way. So I started thinking as an old print graphic designer, well, I should really build a font for myself because then I can just repeat the letters I need. Um, At the time, I didn't have the capabilities nor the software to really build a font properly. So uh, being an Adobe Illustrator user um, for a long time, I simply uh, drew the letter forms that I knew that I would need based on what the titles were, um, scanned those in, um, and had those traced um, with a tool called Vector Magic, which does automatic uh, vector tracing, so it takes bitmapped images and turns them into clean, crisp vector images that can be sized up and down, and they don't lose quality. So I did that, and then uh, in Adobe Illustrator, I basically handset every one of the headline uh, for rework. Um, and then sent that off for final production that they used in the book. So I had these files sitting around, and I kept thinking, you know, I should, I should probably turn this into a typeface because I think it may become handy for doing slides or whatever it is that I might run into in the future. Um, and so I started exploring, like, who could help me with this. And one of the people I thought of immediately was Luke Dorney, a friend of mine, on, mainly on Twitter. I've still never met him.
1: A mutual friend, yeah.
2: Yes, and it's a, he was a mutual friend. And I, so I, I reached out, and I think I, I, I don't know that I actually reached out to Luke specifically. I think I went on Twitter and said, hey, I'm looking to build a typeface. Who should I speak to? And I think Luke almost immediately said, you need to get connected with Delve Witherington. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where it began. And we started discussing options and partnerships, and uh, everything seemed to sync and feel right. So we, uh, it certainly we went did. Yeah.
0: So was this like all over email and stuff?
2: Yeah I think initially it started we bounced back and forth on Twitter for a little bit and then we uh, switched right. to email for the more detailed discussions and some phone calls as well so That's right.
0: Twitter was what I was looking for I was hoping you'd say that because yeah that that's how I feel like in this in this day and age lots of working relationships start over Twitter like a lot of the co-hosts that I have on on the shows that I do on on 5 by 5 have started through relationships that have been built over social networks, typically Mm -hmm. Twitter for that. And it's, I find it very interesting how these sort of relationships can build. Like, were either of you aware of each other prior to starting conversations about the book? I don't think I was aware of Delve. How about you, Delve?
1: No, I I was familiar with Rework, but I, you know, and so I sort of was familiar with your work without even knowing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's interesting, because like, again, I've seen some parallels there myself, like you, if you kind of operate in the same circles, it seems that you sort of become aware of each other through osmosis, even. Right.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In this case, you know, Luke being sort of a a mutual friend, I find that happens very often as well, and I've been in, in that position where someone asks for something, and I can't specifically do it, but I know someone who can, and I think that's maybe even more powerful in Twitter because you've got this, you know, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of mm. connectivity that you can access just through, you know, even a small amount of followers. So that's pretty fascinating.
0: So I want to uh, take a, a very quick break so, uh, to, so we can have a, a nice clean break in the show. So I'll thank our sponsor for the episode. And then I want to go into the actual process of creating the, the sketchnote sketch note typeface and how and how you two went ab- about doing that collaboratively on you know in in separate time zones you know in other parts of the country and stuff like that and also actually what goes into doing something like this and I, I am I have a I think like a lot of nerds we have an interest in typography to 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 an extent some are uh, obsessed with it some just like their fonts and stuff to look nice so it would be really interesting yeah. to hear how how something like that comes into being. but uh, So we'll talk about that just after the break. And, of course, I want to take a quick moment to thank our friends over at squarespace.com. So this episode is brought to you by those fine folks over at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off your first order, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more great support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes your site automatically look great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day 7 days a week. While you're there, make sure you go check out their new homepage too. It has some amazing videos that are really beautiful and they show how Squarespace fits everyone and their needs differently and independently. Make sure you click the little arrows that you'll find on the sides of the site as well when on the desktop so you can check out all of the cool videos that they've made which will sort of showcase all the different things you can do with Squarespace. There are Always updating their site with some cool new branding that you can't help but be inspired by. And that's really awesome. Um, as we said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free. No credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for one of their annual plans. And as I said, make sure you use the co- use our I promo code to get 10% off and support the show and that code is TallyHo T-A-L-L-Y-H-O so go check out Squarespace everything that you need to create an exceptional website and note that the code does not have a number, it's just TallyHo now so nice and easy to remember so thank you to Squarespace for their support of Command Space so gentlemen well Delve, I'm going to ask this question of you first and this is something that I hope that you can help me with, this is a Something that has confused me for for a long time. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between font and typeface?
1: Ah. (laughs) Well, there's a little bit of a history there, but uh, I will spare you the the long, uh, boring story. But uh, contemporary use uh, font is referring to a single font file, digital font file. Typeface would be the type family. So that's kind of the umbrella term for, the, for whatever styles may fall within that family, uh, be it uh, weight or, uh, say, an italic. Uh, so you might have a, a typical family. Uh, the Microsoft you know, uh, original vision of, of a family way back when uh, uh, was a regular, a bold, an italic, and a bold italic. Kind of the you know the the office four if you will uh and so that would that would be a typeface, and any one of those uh weights or styles would be an individual font file, so that's a font uh It gets a little confusing when you say you have a typeface that only has one version uh so it is both a typeface and a font
0: thank you <laughs> now <laughs> i'm s I'm sure I'm still going to continue to get it wrong throughout the episode, so you so, my, so I just want to make sure, the font is the individual thing, so like the weight, right. and the typeface is the whole family. Like, for example, I've seen, I mean, with the sketchnote typeface is one, but other fonts I've seen, you get like different weights, like, I don't know, like Museo Slab 400 or something, and then they have 800. Yes, yeah? yes,
1: exactly. And and in that case, uh, the, the numbers, uh, 800, for example, is referring to, it is for the weight. Uh, it's It goes back to a system that was devised back in, uh, I believe, the early 60s, perhaps the late 50s. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Adrian uh, Frutiger was the first to use that kind of a system. But uh, I'd have to check my facts on that.
0: <laughs> so, I would, so obviously you guys decided to work together and you, know, you, you started to get things done. Um, and I'd like to sort of understand how you guys work together so like what what tools did you use to keep track of work and, and share things like were 'cause because i assume that you i will assume that you were doing this work remotely you weren't doing it in person at all that's right so what what what's what's did you, did you use any software or was it like email how how were you guys sharing things and keeping track of, of what each other was doing
1: uh mike you want to start off i, I know that you you already mentioned that uh that you had used some software to capture uh, and, and trace.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's right. So uh, for, um, for the early, an early font that we used that I created specifically for Rework, I used a couple of vector tools. But um, when it came time for us to get going on the project itself, uh, we began with email, and it was pretty quickly clear that we needed something a little bit better. And Delve mentioned that he used something, I believe, called Teambox. Ah, um, uh, right, And brought me in on that and was able, he was able to, so being a newbie and never having created a a typeface before, um, I needed lots of direction and help. Um, I wasn't really afraid of writing or drawing the characters, however you want to describe that. But I didn't necessarily know exactly which ones to draw or uh, if there was a specific order that he needed them or a size or quality. So that kind of information I needed to get from him. So that when he received my raw information, my raw drawings, they would be in a form that he could work with. So we started with email and it was clear that we needed something more. Um, Delve had Teambox, so we, he started to actually outline some tasks for me, which was great. Because then I would just basically follow whatever he offered. And I think Delve also emailed me some common PDF files that he's created for his clients since he does this type of custom work. So That's do you right. want to talk a little bit about those PDFs, Delve, and sure, what they put sure. on those?
1: Yeah, and not so much for clients, actually, but uh, when I'm working with individual designers. Right. Uh, what, what I do is, you know, we all commonly write you know the uppercase lowercase numerals uh, and some punctuation then there are some less common characters you know such as section marks or uh, you know uh, max symbols that we that most people just don't write on a daily basis uh, perhaps if you're a mathematician you might you might write those kinds of things uh, every day but uh, so with that uh, i i often off uh, give a uh, a template, sort of a template, not, not necessarily a, uh, how to draw these glyphs, but, uh, but how to, uh, how to f- complete the character set more or less kind of a chart and say, okay, well, this is what they look like. And, you know, you need to write those in your handwriting or create them in the style of the font that you are, you know, the typeface that you're making. So, uh, that's, that, that was the purpose of that. And, and I'm glad Mike that you found that helpful. Um, the uh and team box uh what mike was referring to was was definitely something that was very helpful as well it it was it, it was great for outlining the tasks and kind of setting up uh soft you know uh milestones that that we could uh, uh try to hit um you know this is this is speculative work basically uh you know we're neither of us were were uh uh you know on a on a tight deadline to get this uh to get this uh typeface the, the the product version that is done i know that that uh that mike needed this for his uh for his book and so you know we we endeavored to get it done uh get enough done in time for him to make his deadlines with the publishers uh for for both books so so that was very helpful in in doing both of those things but uh uh, as far as software goes, uh, I have a workflow here I can talk more about. But uh, uh, Mike hand, uh, handed off these uh, these files that he mentioned, uh, and, and in addition, I had requested also the uh, the scans themselves. Uh, so I had digital copies of the scans, and then the outlines. And, and mostly, what that was for me was kind of a uh, a form of of uh, check and balance, you know, to look at the outlines and make sure that the integrity that we, that he was getting out of the software uh, for the outlines, that the fidelity was there uh, and, and that they accurately represented his handwriting, but then also kind of captured the look and feel of, of ink on paper. In other words, it, we, I wanted to capture some of the tooth uh, of that paper and how the ink would spread and be absorbed by the paper as well. It makes it feel more authentic.
0: Because it's it's you know, its intention is to look like it's handwritten. This font, I guess.
1: That's right. And if it's too clean, then it kind of becomes a little more sterile, or or at least kind of abstracted in a sense. Uh, it's no longer it's separated from the physical medium, if you will.
0: So o- overall, uh, Mike, how did you find the process? Like like how was it working? together in this way did you find it easy like was it challenging if so like what were the challenges that you faced
2: I think I, I, I tell people I think it was quite easy from my perspective I felt like I just sat down at the table and started writing characters and there was a funny uh, couple of coincidences I could talk about in the production of the font that uh, helped us um, the first was um, I was trying to get the perfect letter form for each of those lower and uppercase and all the special characters that Delve had sent me off to produce. So my solution was to simply draw the characters over and over again until I felt like I'd captured at least one good one. I thought, well, you know, I'll write it eight times and and uh, Del should pull out at least one of these should do for him. And if that's a problem, I'll go back in and I'll draw some more. So for each character, I did, I think, between six and eight uh, versions or, or tries at them in a row. It continued through that. And um, what I hadn't realized uh, later on was that Delve had a feature in OpenType that he could talk to you a little bit more about in technical detail that essentially he could um, have multiple versions of the same letter. And if you have the right software, say in uh, Adobe InDesign, and it's got features that support uh, these contextual alternates, it would actually kind of pseudo-randomly replace the letters or switch them out. So it felt as though it was being a little bit more organic. So the thing I simply intended to try and get a good letter form turned out to be a great advantage for Delve when he went into production to actually make it feel even more organic. Um, The second tidbit um, was when we initially did the the first uh, drafts we had the baselines all lining up nice and clean and straight and uh, when I did a test I thought you know when I write my letters they never stay that clean you know, I, I try as hard as I can to make them clean. I can draw pencil lines underneath the ink, and they're still not. Never that. They're never going to hit that baseline perfectly, because you know I'm a human and I make mistakes, and I move, and the paper moves, and you're writing a little bit too fast. And I, I realized, hey, we maybe what we should do is um, artificially bump the baselines up and down on the letter forms so that they vary when you start typing it out. So it actually starts again to approximate handwritten lettering as much as we can with a machine and you know, the ability of the typeface that we have at this point in in, in time. So those were two interesting things. Um, you know, I as far as challenges, I didn't find any challenges at all. I felt Delve was really easy to work with. I sat and drew a bunch of characters, and he he traced them and showed me how they looked, and I thought they looked great, and we just slowly, as I do in all my projects, iteratively work through making tweaks. Uh, we don't like that character. Let me draw it over. There's an errant little tidbit. Let's fix that. Hey, we need some more icons for the let's do some icons. So I would draw some of those and pull them from other places. So I felt it was a really smooth uh, process. Maybe Dell feels differently about that. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, no. I feel quite the same. I think it was, it, it turned out to be a very uh, natural process for both of us. Uh, you know, we just, we worked together quite well on this. And uh, I was, I was both uh, thrilled with that and, and uh, also grateful, you know, because uh, not all projects go that way. So it, it is is—it is always a welcome thing when, when you find that you can really work well with someone. So but, uh I wanted to say, though, that just Mike hit it right on the head, uh, hit the nail on the head there. Uh, you know, the, the uh, typeface, uh, the way that it kind of fell into place, uh, you know, the handwriting with, with all the different things that we put into it, uh, it, was, it was critical to make it, you know, look and feel like it was real handwriting uh, as best we could, you know, given the technology that we have. And, uh, and I have to say though his backing up there on, on all the different uh, all, uh, different uh, letters that he actually wrote in other words writing each letter form uh, you know uh, five six seven eight times until he got one that he was happy with and he did that without my prompting whatsoever so <laughs> uh you know when i saw that i was like oh yes <laughs> i can definitely make use of all of these <laughs> <laughs> whether he liked them or not <laughs> but uh, no actually it was it was useful because not only were we able to choose the the best uh versions of them but then also uh, you know within within say uh you know a handful of them there were uh, uh there was enough variation there to really make good effective uh uh contextual alternates so that so that these uh you know th- the variants there it felt more human and more natural and uh and yeah that that definitely was was a lot of fun
0: yeah that's that's definitely the kind of thing that you would want from from like a, a handwritten style i guess um so Del, talk me through the process a, a little bit so you know mike has, has painstakingly drawn um, hundreds of letter A's, you know, and then <laughs> all the way through to Z. Um, when you receive them, so you received the like the scans from him and stuff, you know, to to see what how he's done it, and also like the. Did you say that you were doing it in in InDesign as well, Mike?
2: We just did some testing in InDesign, really. Um, if I I did a little bit of work on um, one of the fonts, uh, SketchNote Square was a little bit different than the others because I created it as a headline font, so it's sort of tall and bold and a bit compressed. Those I actually drew for the book because I realized I needed them. And for me, it was quicker to use my vector magic tool, which uh, I can give you a link for that so people could check it out. It's a great tool to uh, trace and sort of capture the loose, sketchy nature of that. In that case, it made more sense for Delve to actually use the vectors that I produced and then just right. assign them to the right locations and then that spawned into hey we can we can we've got lots of spaces can we put a bunch of dingbats in here and little icons so that extended into that into that font variation so that one was a little bit different from the others in that sense but they're all you know drawn by my hand, so they're all unified in that other point of
1: view so
0: so once you receive the scans though what go what happens next like what, what do you do with them
1: Yes. Uh, well, I evaluate the outlines and, uh, as I said, compare them to uh, the scans that, that I had available as well. Uh, and, you know, try to identify trouble spots. In other words, uh, although we wanted to look like natural handwriting, we also wanted to have an even color on the page. So it was kind of, you know, uh, going in and making sure that, that the weights of the strokes were all uh, were all uniform, more or less uh normally in handwriting you know you might have more blobs or uh or light spaces but but uh, you know in in terms of setting a a lengthier piece of text uh which this was going to be used for uh it needed to to have a a bit more uniformity to it in that uh in that respect um of course you know as mike mentioned the uh the baseline being uh a, a bit more horsey uh kind of gave it some more life uh, and gave it uh, a, a bit more of a human feel there so it was kind of a, a counterbalance there in a sense uh, to to some of the more the cleanup work that I that I did and when I say cleanup I don't mean that Mike's handwriting was messy I just mean that uh, it's making it more uh, uniform and and an even color on the page you're looking for something that that uh, is is still very legible still very readable and uh, sorry go ahead
2: I was going to mention to delve that you mean uh, something that I think I realized later in the process was so delve took all the sketch note the text italic and, and bold those those fonts and actually hand drew each one of those based on the scans using his own process and tools and I think what if you do vector work you realize that it's really easy to put too many points on a vector so hmm. basically the way vectors work is there's these mathematical points and um, they were Developed, I think, by Bezier. Is that the person who sort of came up with this concept? That um, was.
1: I think he originated the, the mathematical model, mathematical for, idea for that. Right.
2: And so um, the way that when you hear vector, you know, we all know what bitmap are. Those are little, uh, you know, obviously pixels that that you build, and you can have different shades, and they create anti-aliasing and those kind of things. But with vector work, the beauty of that because it's mathematical, it's very compressible. So it can be very. The files can be very detailed and yet very small. They can also be sized up and down almost infinitely and still hold their edges in shape because they're using a mathematical formula to determine where the curves are, where they stop, where are sharp corners, and those kind of details. Um, but the thing is, if you use a, type, uh, a, a scanning tool like Vector Magic, for instance, um, it does a pretty good job of cleaning up those vector points. And even though it's very compact, uh, the vector points, if, if it's done sloppily, you can get lots of vector points, and each letter can be have a lot more points than are necessary. So you find that there's an optimal way to build these letter forms by using fewer points and using the mathematical curves to get really nice curves and and stopping points that are clean. Um, that's right. And you end up with an optimal vector shape, which is very important when you start setting large amounts of text because if it's too heavy, I guess I'll, I can let Delve talk about this. It could, it could start bogging down. So go ahead, Delve Right, jump in and there.
1: that's... Yes, you're absolutely right, and that's in terms of uh, processor. And this was this was a bigger problem uh, back in the early '90s when mm-hmm. when you know memory was uh, more expensive and, and actually well not even really there in, in abundance. <laughs> so so uh, the the idea is to make the font format and the outlines the points uh, as as small as possible. I mean I don't mean small scale, but uh, small and file size. Um, and, and so, yes, part of, part of building a, a font, a digital font file, uh, is to make sure that the outlines are optimized. At, just as Mike was saying, make sure that these points, uh, the, the vectors, are, are uh, structured properly uh, in the right order and uh, going in the right direction. Um, there's lots of, uh, lots of technical little bits to, to check and double-check uh, mm-hmm. before you... you Send that out in the world to to be used by folks, uh, and the more that you can make correct, of course, the fewer problems that are going to uh, to exist uh, and and be found by your users. <laughs> uh, part of the process, uh, as Mike mentioned, was was also to um, to uh, check uh, that that each each point was representing the. Uh, the, the the letter form itself, uh, but also, in this case, uh, the texture, uh, as I mentioned before. Uh, it's it, making those shapes efficient and making them correct for the file format. Uh, primarily, if I may, I'd like to just mention what the workflow is currently for me here. I'd love that. Okay. Uh, so once, and this is getting back to your earlier question about, about the software and about the process, uh, uh, once Mike sent those files over, I would as I mentioned, check them out, but uh, my primary work tool here is, uh, production tool I should say, is FontLab. Uh, It's it's, a been an industry standard for, uh, uh probably over a decade now. Uh, before that it was fontographer, but that kind of fell by the wayside. Nowadays, uh, we're, we're blessed with more tools. <laughs> we actually have some competitors for FontLab, which is a good thing. Uh, there's also a, an app called Glyphs, which is, uh, easier to use than FontLab. FontLab has a bit of a steep learning curve there, but, uh, there's also a new one called, um, uh, RoboFont, which is, uh, uh, a, uh, it's a probably also a steep learning curve, but if you're familiar with Python, then it may be easier for you to to bring that uh, into your system and and make make use of that. Uh, it's kind of it's a bit more modular and, and relies heavily on. And I think, in fact, the entire architecture is built in Python. So, uh, pretty good app for for those who are are uh, a bit more technically minded and uh, in, in programming and such. Uh, there's also a, a heavy-duty uh, production tool called. Uh, FontForge, which is free, uh, so there's a big bonus on that. Uh, but those are that tip. That's kind of rounding out the available software that professionals use right this day. Uh, there is a photographer as well. Uh, it has been taken over by the same folks who make FontLab, so uh, that's available as well. It's a bit easier to to use, but uh, those are the main tools out there. Uh, I also have a. Uh, suite of uh, macros and uh, proprietary tools that have developed for kind of a mastering or, or post-production work there that uh, that gets done after all the drawing is is locked down and, and the the files are are being produced. Uh, all with an eye to making a good piece of software. I mean, if you. If you think about it, okay, a, a digital font is actually a piece of software, and so just like any programmer out there, I want to make sure that you know it's it's bug free. That you know it's uh, it's the best it can be, so that there are, so that users uh, don't experience you know problems uh, with these typefaces, uh, and and it's it's critical. It really is because uh, fonts are installed. On uh, on a very low level, on a root level of uh, of operating systems, uh, they're basically they have access to you know parts of the computer that, that other pieces of software normally don't. Uh, so if errors occur, sometimes it can it can wreak havoc with the system, uh, and you may not even have an indication of what's causing the problem on your system. It could be a badly built font.
0: That's really uh, so, interesting. I didn't know that
1: it's it's paramount to to build them correctly. Um, so you know that's why you might hear you know designers saying, "Oh, it's a free font, you know, you, you get what you pay for, And they're not just being snooty about it. They're <laughs> uh, you know we're not trying to you know as a type design professional, we're not I'm not trying to steer you towards not using free fonts, but you got to be careful what you get because it may not be built all that well, uh, all that technically speaking, that is. It might be a great design. But uh, but if it's not a good piece of software, then uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't doubt that there might be problems.
0: Um, when when you are at the the point at the font, is, it, you you think of it to be finished. Do you like <laughs> test readability and stuff?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, that that actually happens throughout the process. Uh, uh for example in indesign uh that's that's kind of where that came into play. i know he was actually using it in his book, so it was kind of a mm-hmm. it was a trial by fire almost uh there you know mike you were you were seeing uh problems you know as you were Going along, and so I would respond as quickly as I could to get him a new iteration, uh, a new version of it, with those errors corrected or, or changes made uh, so that so that he had something he could use right away, regardless of whether it was ready for for the public to use. Uh, but uh, But yes, the readability uh, and and performance is kind of tested all along the way uh, in proofs, but then also in this case, uh, right in production uh, on his books.
0: So let me ask you, Mike, and I'll ask the same question to you, uh, Delf too. Uh, out of the whole process itself, what parts did you love and what parts didn't?
2: Hmm. I, you know, I don't know if there was a part that I didn't love. I think, um, of course, it was probably the most fun for me to draw the characters. And then it was very exciting when uh, Delph came back with his drawing, his conversion of those into digital form, and just sort of being amazed at how much detail he was able to capture from these hand-drawn letters. And then I think um, probably a a moment of being excited was when I first started using these uh, in-process fonts on the book production because, you know, it it really had to, you know, what I realized is probably one of the best moves I did in doing this book because it was such an unusual book. It was all all graphical. One option was certainly for me to hand-draw this text that I'd written but the problem with that is if there's ever changes or errors or of, of any kind, you know, then I've got to go back and write and it's got to fit and there's all these complexities that come into it. And I realized pretty early on that unless I had a font, this is going to be a really, really hard project. And I I think I said in some of the introductory info that probably saved hundreds of hours of time by just having, having the font, even though it was maybe not perfect as we worked through it. That, I think, makes it a better font, like Delve said, that having had to use it in production, I noticed, like, oh, the uh, the apostrophes are sitting a little high, or this character's missing and I need it now, I better, we better get that one in there, you know, those kind of things we would notice, and I think it made it, that trial by fire makes it a better piece of software in the end. Um, so it was really fun to see it actually appearing in the book, and, you know, I worked really long, hard hours, and often late at night when the, my family was in bed, and I would be jamming to some music and building, you know, one of these hundreds of pages and I would just have this moment where I'd realize like wow this is really this is really great to have this font I can't even imagine not having this now at two thirty in the morning when I'm trying to finish this last spread to finish a chapter and being able to know that this font is performing just as I'd hoped that it would that was pretty that was a pretty cool feeling and then of course the release when seeing it all come together and seeing people excited about it and 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 using it and that's That's been a lot of fun. So I'll hand it over to Delve now, and you can answer from your perspective. <laughs>
1: uh, I didn't want to dodge your uh, love-hate question, but if I may put that off for a second. Mike was touching on something that I think I'd like to address here. The use, how he was proposed, or how he was, the alternative uh, for, for using his letters, in, or his lettering, handwriting in a book, uh... is is actually how it was done way back when before we had uh... digital or even printing technology this is before gutenberg right i mean Mm -hmm. you had scribes that were dedicating hours months years to completing a book they wrote this all out by hand uh... you know that monks by candlelight you know in the basement or whatever uh... (laughs) hopefully they had some natural lighting and some fresh air but uh... Uh, you know, that's, that's how it was done. And, uh, thankfully nowadays we have technology, we have digital technology where we can, you know, do this rapidly. Uh, we can speed up this process and, and still keep that hand, uh, that human hand involved in the process, uh, and, and, and uh, have it come out, you know, at the, you know, through the production process, have it survive and, and, and still, uh, look the way that it's intended, uh. But uh, getting back to your question <laughs> about love and hate, uh, you know, I, I think I'm with Mike on that. And this is something that I often tell folks: is that I, it, it's not because often I'll say, you know, oh, I'm a type designer, and they go, "Oh, that's that's really cool. That's exciting." And I'm like, oh, you know, it's not really cool or it's not really exciting when I'm uh, when I'm building the font." <laughs> Although I I do have I'm, I'm passionate about that. I enjoy the process, the whole process, but. It certainly is infinitely more fun and more exciting when it's when it's at a stage where you can use it and you can hand it off to people and see what they do with it. I mean, that's the most rewarding part for me, uh, just just seeing what's what's been done with it. Uh, and and in this case, uh, it was almost like immediate gratification because I was handing it off to Mike, and uh, and then he was doing a chapter, and then he'd send a. a you know, the chapter back to me and, and, and say, Hey, look, look, this is what it's doing. And this is cool. Huh? And, and, and I mean, it was, I was just, I was, I was elated. It was so cool. <laughs> I mean, my own proofs are a little bit dry, so, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, seeing what he was doing with it was very cool.
0: So Mike, let me ask, um, did you, did you find it like having this, make it a lot easier for you to complete the book. Like how hard would it have been if you didn't have the font in place?
2: Oh, my my word, it would have been two to four times as hard. I mean, if I were just to grab a number out of the air, just for, for that very simple reason that, you know, we worked through the text first and then I did sketches and then I did all the inking of illustrations, scanned them in and put them all together in Photoshop. Um, being able to get a text edit, from my editor and say you know this is spelled wrong or this should be this or that doesn't look right to, to have to go in there and redraw that by hand I just can't even imagine I can't even I have no idea how much more work this and this was a this was a ton of work this is this project this book project was probably the hardest project I've ever done in my life and I just can't even imagine what it would have been like had I not had uh, these typefaces to build it with it was just uh, really a godsend literally
0: yeah, I can imagine, like, you know, the fact that you had to do the drawings is one thing, but then to have to draw all of the words, that's not typically how a book yeah. is made. Well, and it worked
2: out well because, you know, since it was capturing my handwriting and my drawing of elements were, obviously, for me, um, they all seemed to synchronize together, so it felt like a unified whole. Even in the case where I mentioned Sketchnote Square was a very different-looking, more of a headline font, they all still fit together because I sort of produced the originals in one way or another. And so that worked really well that they sync together. And uh, as we're seeing other people using the, the typefaces for things, it's kind of fun to see other people using it to express themselves and the projects that they're doing.
0: I mean, one of my favorite things about the SketchNet handbook is that the whole thing feels like a SketchNet project because it doesn't have like just a typeface, which is like Times New Roman or something, you know.
2: Yeah, we, uh, I fought very hard to make sure that the whole book from the front to back, you know, I think even the ISBN number, I'm not sure the ISBN number might be Helvetica, but I pushed as hard as I could that anywhere typefaces would appear that it would be my typeface, all the way to the front of the book where you've got uh, information about the publisher to the, to the index, all that was done using the typefaces, and I was really pleased that we could get as much done. I, I should go look at the book and see if there, if there is any where it is.
0: So you mentioned earlier that you added some additional characters. Um, what did what did you what do you mean? What did you add?
2: So um, I can uh, I'm, I'm going to switch over to delve in a minute to go more maybe more into technical detail. But essentially, at a high level, we wanted to make sure that the that the typeface was available for multiple languages. So that was really important. I've always been sort of an internationally minded person, and I also was trying to look forward to the idea that I hope the book does well enough that we have translations um and if that does happen you know the friction of having to redo this all in another language without a typeface well that could probably kill that them from even considering it so if there's a typeface that's got all the characters that an italian or german or a french publisher would need that's one huge place that would take friction out of them choosing to you know do a version of my book in their in that local language so that was in my mind as well um So I think um, I I can let Delve maybe talk a little more of the the technical side of that.
1: Yes, uh, I I was of of a similar mind. I wanted to uh, make sure that that we had enough language support. Uh, And this is kind of a a standard for typefaces that I produce uh, here for my foundry Uh, and for clients. I I, I do push for that... uh, uh, kind of language support uh, broad language support and uh, for clients it's not it's not always uh, an option but uh, they do see the importance and uh, in, in, uh, in doing localization and, and that's kind of the, the, the catchphrase for it really it's uh, in, in software and in, in, um, and in typefaces uh, type design uh, localization basically uh, trying to to address a global market. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what we're doing nowadays. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, we touched on uh, the power of social networks and, and this is, this is all happening on a global scale. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking, uh, I'm, I'm constantly chatting with folks who are in the UK or, uh, South Africa or, you know, India or, uh, South America, um, Australia, you know, wherever. And, uh, you know, some of my clients are, are not even in the U S. Uh, so, so it, uh, it really is a, a global scale uh, production for some of these things, uh, and uh, and so I think it's important for typefaces uh, produced nowadays to have uh, that kind of uh, language support uh, for for customers wherever they may be. Uh, I noticed that uh, some sales are coming in from places, uh, you know, in Germany and and uh, uh, in Australia and and places that uh, you know, folks. I'm sure, uh, if, whether they speak English or not, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that we have everything in there needed for whatever language they want to use. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. Actually, uh, we're pushing, uh, uh production, uh, is starting on, on, uh, what I would, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, call a pro set, which would have, uh, uh, additional languages, uh, beyond what, what it currently has, uh. Uh, such such stuff as uh, Vietnamese and uh, Polish, uh, so so it's gonna it's gonna get bigger, uh, and that's not necessarily because we're looking to squeeze more dollars. We're just we want to make sure that the audience has what they need, you know, uh, so folks can uh, and other countries can enjoy it as well.
2: Mike, I can mention too that uh, another aspect of of the additional things is uh, the dingbats. Yeah, you know, um, I
0: wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Tell me about oh, yeah. that, and then I have a question for you.
2: Okay. Um, well, Delve sort of approached me way in the beginning and said, you know, it would be really cool. I've, it would be cool to do dingbats because I know you draw all these little tidbits and actually include them in the font, and I totally synchronized with that idea. And so um, when we got to the point of uh, producing it, um, I was able to draw some specific things um, and also pull a bunch of tidbits. Uh, actually, from the book, I I had... Elements that I'd drawn and, and built and converted those to vectors so that Delve could drop them in uh, as well, like things like uh, dividers and ampersands, and even like uh, character sets, like a like in the word and and on an angle with a line underneath it. And um, yeah, I want
1: to do more of that too. By the way, <laughs> yes, yeah, I, we both
2: would like to do more of those things as, as we start identifying. This would be really cool as a dingbat because I think we've got we've got a lot of character space in that Dingbat set that we can continue to add things, I mean I threw some other tidbits that were not necessarily typeface oriented that were actually little illustrations like um, like a drawing of my little dog Rufus or R2D2 or lightsabers or uh, other things um, just to make it a fun typeface and you might be surprised at what's in there and then more practical things like arrows and and other objects that you can start to pull um, and use. So that was a fun thing that we both were excited about. And we're even more excited to add new things to it.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's awesome. So my question, oh, why, what is, why dingbats? So what does that mean? Where does that word come from?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you know, there's, it, it's difficult, you know, <laughs> to name a typeface, but then it's also kind of difficult to really describe them. Um, you know, it, it was, I don't know about you, Mike, but but when I was uh, kind of looking at the marketing and uh, and also uh, thinking about you know well, what are we going to call these you know I mean because some of them are icons as you mentioned mm-hmm. some are dividers some are illustrations uh, little spot illustrations some of them are typographic so you know we needed some kind of umbrella term and uh, you know wingdings doesn't quite I don't I don't know I've never really liked that phrase but that that seemed to be more specific to a particular. Uh, font that was out there designed by uh, Hermann Zapf, uh, one of the great masters, uh, and but then Dingbats seemed to be more of a, a generic term. It, it had been used for other uh, other styles and other designs as well. So that's kind of something I, I honed in on. And uh, uh, instead of inventing something or, or pulling something more obscure out, I figured uh, you know using Dingbats uh, would be. Would be uh, something that that most people could uh, understand, you know, quickly quickly get. Oh yes, these are pictures.
0: So, Mike, tell pe- tell people, tell the listeners where they can go to to find the Sketchnote typeface.
2: Well, um, we've actually got a, a URL that we've uh, set up. I was able to grab the URL uh, sketchnote.typeface.com, so that nice. will point you to um, to the post that I wrote on rowdesign.com that sort of goes over why we built it. It's got lots of images, uh, images of it in production as well as in final states. It's got screenshots and links to Delve's site. And it's kind of a good overview. Um, but of course, Delve's, Delve's site's got even more detail. He's got a lot of the spec sheets and, and other things. And um, I think that's delvefonts.com is where you can go to at the high level. Um,
1: that's right. And, uh, and then it's just the forward phone. slash sketchnote sketch from there. Uh. Okay. Okay.
0: I'll make sure all of those are, are in the show notes. That's 5x5.tv five five slash cmdspace slash 51. And uh, Mike, where can, people, where can people find you? Like where can they go to, to keep in touch with what you're up to?
2: Well, I think the best place, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter, and you can find me there at R O H D E S I G N. Uh My Of course, my website. I've had a blog I've been writing for a while, and you can find that at Um And if you're interested in the book, uh, that's just rodesign.com forward slash book. And that will give you an overview of the book with samples and and places to buy it if you'd like.
0: Which and the sketchnote handbook has a big sign of approval from me. So excellent. If that makes any difference, I love it. So <laughs> um. <laughs> I should
2: mention too, by the way, Mike, that um, that the font is available uh, for web use. We 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 have an agreement in place with um, with uh, what's the what's the. My mind is drawing it's a blank. Kit. Delve.
1: Okay. Typekit, oh, yes. So. Uh, it, it's yes. I, I should mention where where else you can get it as well. Huh? Yes. because you know we want to support our distributors. But uh, yes, uh, in addition to Del Fonts, uh, you can also get it over at uh, MyFonts, uh, and it's available for uh, so so at Delve Fonts. You can get uh, self-hosted web fonts. You can also get those over at MyFonts. But then for a hosted solution, you know, kind of a subscriber-based solution, uh, Typekit. Uh, is great for that. Uh, they're available there currently, uh, and soon coming soon to other distributors as well.
0: Awesome, and Del, where can people go to to find out what you're up to?
1: Ah, well, uh, you know, I, I do have a blog. Uh, I think uh, if you hit 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 us up on uh, Facebook there, uh, facebookcom Delve fonts and then. Uh, uh, the blog, which is Type Lost and Foundry, you can find that from Delve Fonts. Uh, there's a little blog uh, button there you can uh, check in on. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Delve W uh, on Twitter. And then, uh, oh, where else? Uh, I think the usual, all the usual places online.
2: <laughs> I would say uh, if you want to find a great place to follow what Delve's thinking is, uh, find him on Instagram. He takes amazing oh, yeah. images <laughs> of, uh, of uh, found typography. It's just great stuff.
1: That's right. Uh, it's WW on there as well. But uh, yeah, I do enjoy taking pictures of uh, letters. Uh, go figure, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Why
1: do you? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, it goes way back.
0: <laughs> so guys, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this. I feel like I have learned something today. So thank you for joining me on the show. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both.
2: Thanks. It was my pleasure as well. Thanks. It's an honor, Mike.
0: So uh, thank you all for listening as well. And as I mentioned, you can find everything that we discussed today in our show notes, which are at 5x5.tv slash cmdspace, command space, slash uh, 51. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Squarespace. Don't forget code Tallyho for 10% off. And we'll be back next week. You can find me online. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, on all of your favorite social networks. If you would like to keep up with me, feel free to do that. Say hello, tell me what you think of the show. I always love that. Feedback is always well received. So thanks so much for listening again, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.